This is Conversations with Corliss, the leadership podcast that gives you real and authentic advice that can help you change your life for the better. Here we will listen to stories and have conversations with people who are just like you, people who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Your host Corliss is a modern day purpose-driven leader. As an entrepreneur, she has developed a multi-million dollar business, leading thousands of people to discover their potential and reach their personal goals, all while balancing the responsibilities of raising her three children. She is a powerful, inspirational speaker, a certified success principles coach, and the founder and CEO of Corliss Co. Consulting Incorporated. Hi everyone, this is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it, my name is Corliss and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. I found myself coasting through life feeling unfulfilled and deep inside I knew there was more to me than I was living. I went looking for answers and I found them by listening to inspiring people and having meaningful conversations. That is what we will do here for you. Whatever you are looking for, I am glad you are here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This episode is being brought to you by Lori Renton of LR Future. Do you ever wish that you had a healthier relationship with money? Are you clear on your personal values or how they affect your relationship with money? We cannot put a price on the love we have for a child or the feeling that we get when we see rays of sunshine piercing through the clouds. And even though prices signal value in the market system, they do not measure value in our human system. Your money follows your values. Lori is here to guide you on how to embrace the connection between your personal journey and your financial dreams, bringing your values and vision together. With Lori's values mapping system, you can become clearer on your own personal values and create a healthier relationship with money. Money and finances can be difficult subjects to talk about, but when you are clear on what you value, it opens up possibilities that may not have been visible before. Lori is here to help you through that process. Feel free to get in touch with Lori on LR Future Facebook page or contact her via email at Lori at LRFuture.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E at L-R-F-U-T-U-R-E dot com. I'm pretty excited for you to join in today's conversation, but before we get started, I can't wait to share the news that my new online course, Powerless to Empowered, is ready to go. As a launch special, the first 100 people get full access to the entire program for almost 70% off. All you have to do is use the code BLACKFRIDAY2020. This program comes complete with videos, a printable workbook, and powerful insights and inspiration that will help you take back your life no matter what is going on for you. Life has a way of knocking us down from time to time. This course will give you the tools to get back up. And remember, personal development really is the key to an empowered life, and this is the perfect time to invest in yourself. Get your course today at corliss.ca. This is episode 031, Problem or Possibility, Making the Most of What Is with Alvin Law. Oprah Winfrey said, understand that the right to choose your own path is a sacred privilege. Use it. Dwell in possibility. Our guest today is a remarkable man who has been blazing a trail of possibility since birth. Born with no arms, Alvin Law defied the odds of what most thought was possible for him and has had a global impact as a speaker, mentor, and musician. In 1981, the United Nations declared the International Year of Disabled Persons. Some viewed it as patronizing, while others saw an opportunity to focus the spotlights on the significant challenges that people with special needs live with every day of their lives. One of the components of the year was also awareness. 
Alvin Law was a successful disc jockey in Canada in 1981, and his high profile saw him being invited to speak about his life in public. He was so sought after, he quit radio and became a full-time motivational speaker. In his almost 40 years on stage, he has spoken on five continents to over 2 million people. In 2013, he was inducted into the Canadian Professional Speakers Hall of Fame, and in 2018, the Canadian Disability Hall welcomed him for his significant role in advocacy for the people with special needs. But what Alvin is most proud of is that since 1976, he has been directly involved in raising over $200 million for charity. I feel personally privileged to share this conversation with such an inspiring man, and I am thrilled to invite you to join in. Thanks for being here, and please do give this a share. More people need to hear the message of Alvin Law and learn to think possibility over problem. Welcome to the show, Alvin. I am so honored that you're here to be with us as a guest today. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. I'm feeling the green blood in me from my life, childhood in Saskatchewan boiling over with joy. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> you know, in preparing for this episode, I was actually thinking we've got a lot more in, in common than I might think because we're both from Saskatchewan, as you've already said. I'd really love it if we'd begin with you giving us a bit of your backstory. You bet. Um I think the funniest part about my story is this is on audio and that's okay. Um, my first career was in broadcasting because I wanted to use my voice to get trained to be able to work in an industry that didn't have anything to do with the other thing that I'm gonna talk about for a second here. And that is my physical form. Anybody who ever meets Alvin Law, the first thing they notice is I'm missing a couple of pretty important body parts and that is my arms. It's very, very fascinating to me how that creates a moment in time. But of course, that's changed with COVID. I don't want to timestamp this podcast. But now people, when they hear me, they have a hard time imagining what it would be like to see me. So what I always like to say is when you think of an era that I came from, that is probably where a lot of dots can connect for a lot of your listeners. I was one of Canada's first thalidomide babies. And thalidomide was a morning sickness medication given to pregnant women from 1958 to 1962 all over the world. Ironically, the only place it didn't go was the United States. And that's a good thing because there was over 20,000 deformities on record across the world, about 100 in Canada, and over 250,000 babies were thought to have died because of the direct connection to this terrible drug. The point is, I was born without arms. And even more importantly, I was born without arms in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Why that's important is if I would have been born in New York or London or Toronto or Montreal, I probably would have been just a blip. But in a little town like Yorkton, it didn't take long for the news to get out that there was this, and I'm going to be very blunt now, Corliss, this freak that was born in the hospital without arms. And that's how, honestly, my story started. And if that wasn't bad enough, by five days of age, I was also homeless because my birth family, not buying into the hype because this was not an era of internet, but understanding the pressure of what a child like this was going to represent in their life, they were just not ready for it. They couldn't cope. So they gave me away for adoption. But that's where my story totally takes a different direction. And that's why we're here to talk today, because I was taken into a foster home and the mindset and the culture of living with Hilda and Jack Law in Yorkton, who would become my only parents, completely changed my future. And that's why I believe we can all change our future. I don't think there's anyone more qualified to talk about possibilities than you. So let's let's dive into that a little bit more. I'd, I'd love to learn more about that. So clearly your parents, your adoptive parents, were of a different mindset. So what made them be that way? Well, first of all, they were older, and I don't want to timestamp age in this podcast either, but if you're on this listening and you're over 50 years old and you've said to yourself, oh, I'm on the downhill slide, that's fine, slide away. But if you think your life is over, you are patently wrong. My mom was 55 years old when she took me home as a newborn, and my dad was 53, and they were today's equivalent of empty nesters. 
but more than anything else, they had been through the real trials and tribulations of that generation, all right? They got married in 1930. Dad went to war in 1940. They went through the depression. Dad came home with what we now know as PTSD, but it didn't mess him up. He didn't become an alcoholic or addictive to anything. But you could tell that the war changed my father. So he was very much about trying to deal with that. And he did that through hard work. He would work 18 hour days as a service manager, for example, at an international harvester dealership. So my mom was kind of alone. And in those days, again, don't want to offend anybody. It was not very common for women to work outside the home. So mom stayed home and decided to open a foster home, looking after primarily troubled teens. And I'm going to be very blunt now, primarily looking after teenage children from the local two uh, First Nations communities who were troubled youth. And I'm not blaming this on anything. I'm just saying these kids were troubled. Their parents might have been alcoholic or they might have just had a real rough ride. So they were being cared for by social services for whatever reason. And mom and dad would take them in. They wouldn't judge the color of their skin or their culture. They would simply say, look, you're here because you are an important human being. You're here because you matter. And all you need to learn about is that your past doesn't need to be your future. And that was their mindset. So imagine that when they took me home as a newborn, the first reaction, of course, was like anybody else. Oh, my God. But as they got to know me better, especially my mom, my primary caregiver, she saw the child in the freak. Okay? That is huge. There was no training involved with Hilda Law. This was just her mindset. It was her way. And boy, I'll tell you, how lucky did I get landing in that foster home? And it just changed everything. Like actually incredible because I, I I just even think in this day and age that that would be difficult. We have so much knowledge. We have so much. Um, there's so many resources out there for us to recognize that mindset is so powerful, but we didn't have those tools back then. Since. No, and and, I, and of course, sorry to interrupt, but I like to always joke. It's not like my mom could Google no arms or self help, right? Really, she was making it up as she went along. Amazing. You know, you said something um, earlier, and I don't know that um, I know I, I haven't even told you who the main listening audience here is, but we typically, I think, most of the people listening to this episode are going to be middle aged. And you said something kind of critical about, you know, you have a choice. You can either choose to see this as a downhill slide, or you can see this as a chance to recreate something. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, what's really fascinating is I, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to jump to uh, the, the, the future for just a moment, and I don't mean future like next year or down the road, but I mean 2018. I was working in the UK, and I am not bragging now, but I have been very fortunate in my upward rise in the speaking world to be able to get involved with some of the most significant employers out there. And I work a lot with CEOs with their management groups. They've got kind of like almost a almost like a, a club, really. Some people might have heard of this in Canada called Vistage or Tech. Um, Vistage actually now owns these chapters in England, but when I started working with them, they were simply called the Association of Chief Executives. So I would go over regularly, usually every year for three weeks in England and work with these different chapters. Again, way above my pay grade, but I always remember these CEOs are still human beings, right? And I wanted them to understand the importance of seeing the human being in their companies. Anyway, I digress. The point is I met a very successful CEO who after my speech to his group said, do you know Jack Canfield? And I went, actually I do. And I'm not name dropping. He says, well, then you know that you're living one of Jack's formulas from the success principles. And that is ERO. And I went, what's ERO? He goes, you don't know what that is. I said, I've never heard of it in my life. He goes, that's bizarre because you're the absolute example of the practice. ERO in Jack Canfield's book is event. Then I kind of change it a little bit to plus or minus R equals O. And those letters stand for event plus or minus reaction equals outcome. If we have a negative reaction to an event, no matter what it is, I can guarantee you're going to get a negative outcome. It happens every time. But if you have a positive reaction to a negative event, you can change the possibilities of the outcome. I believe that's exactly what has defined my life. 
because we do get to choose. Sometimes, especially lately since March, we feel like we've lost our choice. That could be very true. And as a control freak, I'll acknowledge that. But at the end of the day, if all we see is dark, we're never going to see any light. And that's what changes the way that our lives go. Wow, amazing. And you know, Elvin, you're just getting to know me, but I am actually a certified success principles coach. I had an opportunity to actually work directly with Jack in his home just a couple of years ago. So kind of neat. That's how it came full circle again for us. Yeah, actually, I didn't want to say anything about that because I, I read about you too, my dear. <laughs> and, 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 you know, to be quite blunt, I think that's the funny thing is, you know, Jack's a big deal. And I don't know how you felt about him on a personal level. But I got to know him on a personal level uh, through a CAPS event, actually. And, you know, the man is mega successful, but he's also really genuinely interested in helping people get better, isn't he? He really is. As a matter of fact, when I got to his home, I was kind of starstruck by the whole thing because I very much respect and admire him. I mean, his work is 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 literally world-renowned, and I believe so strongly in it, or I wouldn't have become a Success Principles coach. And one of the things that was really magical to me in that experience was he came, we did the morning session, and then on the lunch break, he came and sat down with me and a, a woman I had met there that became a friend of mine and was asking us questions. And it was very apparent to me that he was wanting to learn about us. And he was interested in learning about our perspective on that. And I thought, this man has so many skills, best-selling author, world-renowned, and yet he still wants to continually learn. And that made such an impression upon me. And I think that's one of your laws, which I'd like to talk about next. Yeah, sure. I'd love Al to. Alvin's laws, uh, one of them is learning, right? And that's yeah. really what Jack demonstrated, that no matter how successful he was, no matter how much he, he knew, he still was eager to learn from people. And, uh, like, that was just, to me... I don't know. I, well, it was humbling for me, but it also made that impression that I'm talking about because he, he just, uh, he basically is living his principles, kind of like what you're demonstrating as well. Well, and, and by the way, I, it's an eerie coincidence, isn't it? That, that I would have this formula thing in my head, but I want to make it very clear now that we may be able to, and I hope you hear this the right way, Corliss, we can take courses we can enroll in uh, training. We can get engaged in a professional development course. But at the end of the day, this is not about producing clones. This is about taking knowledge that's already there, putting it into your own knowledge base, and making it work for you. And the problem that a lot of people have is they're looking for the perfect solution. Oh, if I just take the right course, or if I just sign up with the right coach, those are all very important things to consider. But we should never deny how much we already know. But here's the kicker. I think a lot of people, when they think of learning, if they had a bad experience in school, if they weren't a good student, if they don't like the idea of studying, that's a, a very cold concept for them. That's why I like to remind people that learning isn't academic. Learning is in the root of personal growth. You know, if anybody out there is listening to this and doesn't want to personally grow, you may want to go listen to something else. Maybe watch the Kardashians or something totally mindless. But the reality is growth is also hard because we have to acknowledge, oh, I didn't know that. And we need to use humility. And I think what's really fascinating is the most successful people I've met in the world, and I've met some pretty amazing folks, have been the most humble people I've also met. It does. It's not congruent, isn't it? Because when we think of success, oh, my God, it had to be brought up today, didn't it? You know, when Americans, for example, think of success, they elected a president who was the epitome of business success, ruthless, mean-spirited, competition is everything, don't care about, you know, losing, no losing, we're the winners, you know, big, big, big. Right, fine. That, if that's what you want to be as an executive, good for you. But I just think it's not matching the human element that all of us own inside of us. To continually grow in personal development, I could not agree more, honestly. So let's talk about the five laws. What are sure. they? What are they? And why are they important? And where did this all come from, Alvin's Laws? So I read a book a long time ago that I bet some of you folks have read, and that's Stephen Covey's Habits of Highly Effective People. Did you read the book? Yes, I love that book. Okay, so I had lunch with Stephen Covey. <laughs> Again, these things kind of happen, all right? Now, it wasn't one-on-one. -on -one, it was with a group. 
And I sat there looking at the man thinking, this guy is no big deal. And I actually had the guts to ask him, how did a simple idea, a simple set of habits make you such a, a, a financial, like you're, you're a multimillionaire. How did that happen? He goes, never underestimate the power of people and their insecurity. They need to know and let's keep it simple. All I did was remind people of things that they already know and I became wealthy because of it. And there is not a minute that I don't appreciate my wealth. And I gotta tell you, that's what caught me was Stephen Covey's habits are not complicated. So why didn't someone else write the book? Well, he did. That's why I always tell people, if you think you've got a book in you, write it. You could end up being a New York Times bestseller because nobody on the New York Times bestseller list was thinking someday they're gonna get there unless they're already a big name author. We can all get there, but we also need to develop our own habits. So I decided to put my tongue in my cheek and this was not directly connected to meeting Stephen Covey. I need to be very clear about this. The two elements were completely separate, but I was writing my first book and I decided to come up with a bit of a template for a corporate thing I was doing, Alvin Law's mission statement. That's what I called it. That's what the original name was. And then it occurred to me, it would be funny to call it Alvin's Laws, like Stephen Covey's Habits, because my last name is Law. And I even decided to become even more tongue in cheek by having five and they spell my name, A-L-V-I-N. And they are attitude, learning, valuing your life and spirit, imagination, and never giving up. And then I wrote a paragraph for each one of those words that has a personal meaning to me. And it became my flashlight, if I can put in a little alliterative poetry, my flashlight to shine down the tunnel to make sure I knew where I was going. Because we all need to be focused and we all need to be reminded. But the key to the laws is not the genius in them. The key to the laws is they're just my own reflection on what's important to me. So I always tell people, write your own laws, write your own habits. But if you do anything, make them all positive. There is scientific proof that when we apply positive energy to our daily routines, we can accomplish 10 times more than if we're simply brooding, being negative, watching stories on the internet, looking on Facebook and responding to the Trump-Biden debates and all that different back and forth. There's nothing in that that's good. So all of the laws are good and they spell out the idea of what we all need to focus on to make our days better and in essence, make everything better. Okay, so good. Write your own laws. So help the audience with that. Like how would they, if somebody's listening and they're like, yeah. I don't know what my laws are. Like what would they okay, even so I'll, I'll read to my, I'll, I'll read to the first one. And I, what I want to do before we're done for sure, because this, uh, this podcast is leading to a little bit of possibilities. I want to read you that one later, but cause it's actually in my laws. See, that's what's funny. When I heard uh, Joe Biden do the acceptance speech and he said that the word, the operating word for the future of America is possibilities. Did you hear that speech? I didn't actually. Yeah, he actually in his acceptance speech, it was real. I would highly recommend if you haven't seen a chorus or others to, to go find it somewhere on the internet and, and listen to the whole thing. Listen to Kamala Harris, which by the way, I think we're kind of uh, missing something really big here. The United States just put into place a black woman as vice president. That's a big, big, big deal. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anyway, here's what I thought about when it came to my laws and my attitude is first. So this is what I wrote. Attitude is more than just being positive. It's a way of looking at life, ours and everybody's. It is said to be everything because it is everything. It defines who we are and what we become. So I wrote that, that paragraph and all five of my laws, I wrote them all in 17 minutes. I didn't ponder them for a day. I didn't think about them and rewrite them for a week. That's vital to writing your own laws. It's gotta be a knee jerk, spur of the moment reaction to what your value systems are. You don't have to use your name, especially if you got a long name, but if you've got a word that you like, right? Maybe power or success or something that matters to you. But here's the key. You use this list to begin every day until you've got it right. Because some people struggle, right? What we think about for the first hour of our day is going to dictate way more things than we will ever imagine. 
And I'm not suggesting jump out of bed, race to the office, and go 90 miles an hour right from the beginning of your day. God forbid, that's not what I'm talking about. In fact, Corliss, I'm going to be really honest with you. I love meeting you online. I love doing your show, but you're messing with my routine today. See, at 9 o'clock when I'm taping this from Calgary, I walk my dog. You can't start your day off any better than walking a dog who just loves everything in the world, especially you. When you start your day off that way, I promise you, no matter how bad something may come into it, it'll change its perspective if you start off your day with a dog walk. <laughs> start your day well. Start your day well. And attitude and your laws. And it's really your value system. That's what it is. And that's what you live by. It is. And it seems silly that we need to write it down, but we do need to write it down. In fact, it's the trouble with so many companies. They've got a mission statement on their website, right? They've got a list of values and objectives for their company. And some of them, you know, I got to be honest, they don't even know what's there. Right. Because they're not living by them. It's just words. Yeah. They got some marketing guy to write it and say, that looks good. Right. Right. Yeah. Not what it's intended to be. That's for sure. Okay. Let, I love your laws. I love them. I can't wait to read more about them. I'm actually going to embrace that and just write them down knee jerk reaction. And as soon as you were talking about it immediately, I thought purpose, that is like the word for me. I'm always asking myself, what's the purpose to this? It guides me in what I do in each day. It helps me with where I'm going to grow my business, what I'm light up about, what I'm passionate about and who I am as a human being. How do I want to show up? That's, that's where I'm going to begin. And I hope that helps the audience think about where they'll start as well. So let's talk about those possibilities. Sure, sure. So when I was listening to Joe Biden, um, what I heard when he said that word, I actually got tears in my eyes. I'm an emotional guy, Corliss. I always have been because this is what I wrote. Okay, I got to do some math here. This would be 14 years ago. I wrote these laws 14 years ago. So remember, that's a long time in the modern era, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Here's what I wrote about imagination. It's my I in my list of laws, right? So A-L-V-I-N. Imagination is my I. Imagination is the key that unlocks the power of potential. It's not owned by the young, but they are best at using it. Here it is. Here's the magic $1 million line. It defines the difference between obstacles and possibilities. Let me say that again. Imagination defines the difference between obstacles and possibilities. Imagination leads to dreams and dreams make life worth living. Dreams can come true. This I know. Now that's, that's my I. So that's another paragraph of belief, but I cannot believe the power that I get from that line alone because it's exactly what my mother did when I was growing up. Anybody who's heard me speak will know you still talk about your mom. Yeah. Why? because it was the most integral part of who Alvin Law became. By the way, real quick, Corliss, in 1993, I got to meet my birth family, the people that left me in the hospital in the summer of 1960. They weren't bad people. In fact, they were very nice Saskatchewan people. And I mean that as a stereotype, absolutely. They were salt of the earth. They were farmers in this case. They lived outside of Melville, Saskatchewan. They had two small children. They had no power, no running water. And they lived on a farm that was really not very good at being a farm. So they were struggling. And then they had a new child without arms. What were they going to do? But here was the difference. The lady that gave birth to me, and I, I, I love saying her name, was a woman named Sophie Pahalko. Sophie Pahalko is part of a Pahalko clan in that area. I feel like when I go home back to Yorkton, I'm related to everybody. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, the Pahalkos were fine people. And they struggled as they saw Alvin Law become well-known in the province, seeing what he accomplished, looking at his ability to play music. And that we haven't even talked about that yet, right? And my impossible nature of looking at life the way that I did. Sophie struggled with that idea. And what I was able to explain to her was, look, Sophie, the best gift you gave me was giving me away because you could not see anything but the obstacles. Where Hilda Law, who was my foster mom and then my only mom, saw nothing but hope and possibilities. You think those things don't matter, Corliss? I know you do, but sometimes people get cynical and they go, really, does my attitude really matter? What do you think? Oh, I think 100%. And I think that our attitude and our outlook 
and our choices are what are, are going to really dictate our life in this moment and every day moving forward. Well, look at the, what's really funny is the companies right now in particular, and even human beings that are looking at the COVID thing, you know, through these dark lenses. Hey, look, I'm not going to blow sunshine up people's butts here and be disrespectful. Okay. I, I want to be very blunt. It's been tough during COVID. All right. It's been tough with all of the changes that many of us have had to make. And, and let's not romanticize this either. It's been really tough on people that have all of a sudden become unemployed, right? I think of waiters and waitresses. I think of serving staff. I think of cooks. You know, one thing a lot of people don't think about is all of the entertainment out there. I'm an entertainer, right? I'm a musician by nature. All of the musicians that have had their stages go black, all of the actors, all of the people doing lighting, all of the people running Broadway and Toronto film, you know, uh, stage acts and all, even in Saskatoon, your theaters, right? All across the country have gone dark. Just imagine what that's done to upset the balance of our society. We miss entertainment. We miss engagement. What are they doing? So, right, I'm not trying to blow sunshine around, but the reality is, ready for this, Carlos, because this is one of the most jaded expressions out there that people really hate. It is what it is. I love that expression. It says everything to me. I was born without arms. It is what it is. I was homeless. It is what it is. I struggled with having to learn to do simple tasks with my feet. It is what it is. We, if we apply that idea, it's not blowing things off, right? Like, you know, hey, and I'm not going to worry about getting better. No, but it puts into perspective when a bad thing takes place that we have no control over. And that's why we talk about the idea of the reactions, right? It is what it is. So true. And somehow our power in that lies in our choices and our responses because it is what it is. Well, it also lies with who you spend time with. There's another classic cliche, right? There's a lot of argument about who made this one up. Um, Tony Robbins claimed it a long time ago, but in fact, Tony Robbins did not write this. Just to be clear on this, I'm not anti-Tony Robbins. I just like to make sure that we're very clear on truth. Uh, nobody actually knows where this expression came from. It's ancient, really, but the idea of you become who you spend time with. Mm -hmm. So is that one of the things that people can do then? So like an immediate, I guess, solution or a step people can take is like get yourself in the right circles, surrounding yourself with the right messaging, with the right people, and spend time with people who are responding in the way that that you want to, like positive, right? Yeah, so one of the advice columns that Alvin Law is very proud of is getting an awful lot of people that want to get to know him after they've heard me do a speech. They want to know advice, and I hear from a lot of young people. I'll give you an absolutely truthful hypothetical, which is a double negative, I guess, but the reality is, I don't want to be specific about anybody, but it's amazing how many people I've heard, they've become unemployed and they have no direction. So I say, well, the first thing you got to do is not take being unemployed personally, unless you created fraud within your company. That's a whole different thing. But people get unemployed. It's the way it is. So the first thing you do, and again, being hypothetical, but also metaphorical, you got to find a way to get yourself started in your day by going outside and getting some fresh air and breathing in the beauty of nature, even if it's 40 below zero in Saskatoon, which I've lived through. Okay. But the next thing you got to do is volunteer volunteer for some kind of charity. I find the ones that work best are pet shelters, senior citizens homes, when we could go in them, by the way, and homeless shelters. Now they're very predictable, those three, all right? They don't have to be those three, but they need to be a charity where the people that are being served by the charity are there because their lives are understandably challenged. And by seeing other people's challenges, it creates a perspective on our own. But also, people that volunteer are the best people on the planet. So you go find those people. I've also heard people say, go to church. Sure, whatever works for you. But I'm going to give you a really personal, <laughs> this is almost going to get too personal, example. In my first marriage, which was not one that was planned, the child was not planned. It was a terrible marriage. It was in my early 20s, okay? This was in the early 80s for time frame. My son was born in 85. I left that marriage in 88 because it was a terrible relationship. And people say, you're going to leave behind a two-year-old child? I said, I'm not leaving him behind. He knows where I am. I know where he is. That child ended up living with me from the time that he was three and a half for the rest of his life. 
because his mother had a mental health breakdown. Now, I'm not trying to get into specifics here for a reason, but to say sometimes even our relationships that we're with, our, our, our spouse, our partner, they're just a revolving circle of negativity and harm and tragedy. Well, I know for a lot of women in particular, they find it hard to leave that relationship. Well, I'm not trying to be a counselor here, but the personal relationship we have with our partner or spouse is the most important one in the world. So if that doesn't work, either we fix it or we leave it. I'm telling you, that might seem crude, but too many people are scared of leaving a marriage for what it represents instead of leaving a marriage for what their new life could be. Well, I actually appreciate the boldness and the bluntness. And like, I was one of those women. I was so afraid for so long about how could I make it on my own? I wasn't thinking possibilities. I was just, everything was fear-based. Sure. And you're trying to survive. But I think the bottom line is that if we're living in an environment where it's constant fighting, and again, I'm not trying to be some kind of Dr. Phil here. That's not what this show is about. But I like to be very blunt with people because, okay, let's, let's go to the other side of this equation, Corliss. If you met my wife, Darlene, you would notice something about her. First, she's, she's physically beautiful, okay? I mean, she just, she got blessed, you know, with that youthful skin, that youthful look, that grin, that sense of humor. The first time I met her, I heard her laugh. It, it just, it's quivered the room. She has such a big laugh. Yet, what was funny about it is she was also attracted to me. She was divorced. She had been married to a cop, all right? That was the Adonis of a man she was married to. And then she gets kind of involved with me. And, you know, she was divorced. She wasn't sure what to do. She meets me. We hit it off. And I like to joke, what did she see? What was she attracted to? I don't think it was the biceps. <laughs> okay? We can use our positive energy to attract things into our life. We've heard about this. Oh, my God. You know, we've, we've gotten our fill in so many ways of these products, like, and I'm not being disrespectful. Uh, the, the, the show, The Secret, when I watched it the first time, changed everything for me. But it also changed my wife. She was already positive. She was hyper positive. But what she needed was permission to be that person, to get out in the world and not apologize for seeing the good everywhere she looked, to not apologize for speaking good, to never feel like she had to be cynical or negative because the world was going that way. So if you met my wife, you'd notice something about her. If I'm positive, she's like dialed up five times more. Now, I'm not suggesting one more time that we all need to be clones of Alvin and Corliss, right? But if we do not live in joy, what's the point? Exactly. What is the point? So I've just been writing notes like crazy. <laughs> and here's what I'm hearing. A lot of things. You have to think possibility. Instead of thinking scarcity and thinking, instead of thinking survival, you have to think possibilities. What are the possibilities? The, another thing I wrote down is that you have to show up to serve. So when you were talking about uh, volunteering, to me, that's really showing up to be of service to other people. And that also connects to possibilities. You have to make hard choices to create change. And you have to use positive, uh, positive, positive energy to propel yourself forward and surround yourself with inspiring people. I've been thinking about the long winter ahead and the uncertainty of how much or how little we'll be able to see people. And to be honest, I've been a little worried about that. Connection is important for our overall mental and emotional well-being, and it concerns me that we may be limited as to how much we can do that. I keep asking myself what I can do to help. No one knows exactly what's coming or how the coronavirus will limit us from having our usual in-person gatherings, but that doesn't mean that connection can't happen. As a matter of fact, I have personally made some of the most amazing friends through the online space over the past few years, and belonging to powerful communities can be a great way for you to connect with even a wider group of people who share your values, passions, and aspirations. I've made a decision to focus much of my energy on the Corliss Co. monthly membership community. It offers you access to the theme of the month, a live group coaching session with me, a worksheet to apply the teaching to your life, and an entire community of positive, inspiring people to support you. I have big plans for this group, and until the end of 2020, I've made it totally affordable for everyone at just $20 a month. It will be worth every dollar. Visit Corliss.ca to join the Corliss Co. Coaching and Connection community today.
Is there anything else? No, the only thing that I would say is don't beat yourself up when something goes wrong. Mm, that's a good one. I have a tendency to do that. Can you talk a little more about that? Well, hey, look, I'll give you a really bizarre example. This might not be the right answer you're looking for, but it's the first one that popped into my head, which is kind of how Alvin tends to tick anyway, all right? So I get into COVID, March comes along, I get 37 of my speaking engagements vaporized, right? Five of them have been rebooked for 2021, but they're all in the United States. Who knows if the border will be open by then, okay? So my calendar is wiped clean. That is not a good thing if you're a speaker. You know, it's like the musician thing I was talking about. When all of the concert venues go dark, yeah, you can play your guitar and sing in front of an iPad, but that's not the same as being on stage in front of a thousand people, all right? So my first reaction to it was clearly at the beginning, extremely negative. That kind of settled in a little bit. And I started to realize I can't do anything about it. So since March, you know, we've been kind of surviving. We're doing okay. My wife is great with money, but we do not have any income. It's as simple as that, you know? And in fact, I think a lot of people can relate to this, even if you had investment income, it also took a South trip, didn't it? It was just such a bad time. So we're trying to be very frugal. You know, we have two vehicles. We talked about getting rid of one because do we need two vehicles? Well, usually we do. So we're being very, very cautious and I'm getting a little paranoid. And then I find out two weeks ago, in the middle of all of this money, we need a new furnace. By the way, furnaces aren't cheap. And I knew we had to pay for it before we could put it in. Where were we going to find the money? Well, I just said to my wife, we got to fix this. We got to do something. And she basically had the solution. I won't tell you what it is because it's personal. But the reality is the furnace became a metaphor for me, right? Just when you think that things could not get worse, your furnace dies. Or even worse, some people have lost loved ones to COVID. Some people have lost uh, just their mojo. You know, I think the bottom line is that if we have developed a habit of seeing the good in all of the bad, that habit can take us through the worst possible times. Corus, I choose not to talk about my darkest memories of my youth. And, my, and there, it wasn't anything bad. Mom and dad were angels. It was the hospitals. It was the health care. It was rehabilitation. I had to go to hospitals every year for a minimum of three weeks to experiment with artificial arms, which never worked. There was a funny energy in those buildings because you had this complication between caregivers who were truly generous human beings and a medical system that is absolutely uncaring of humanity. That's how I felt. I don't think it's true, but you're patient. You're, you're, a, you're a subject, you're a number. And I think that's why we've had to put more humanity into some of these caring professions. We know that in 2020, but in the 60s and 70s, the dignity was a totally different game. So when I think of whether I can get through this particular challenge right now, Corliss, what I've been through tells me I can get through anything. And I would subscribe that your listeners, that you yourself are in the same exact spot. When you're thinking, can I make it through? Just look backwards and say, well, if I made it through that, I can make it through anything. Oh, that's just so profound. What you just said there. I often talk with my in my coaching and in my speaking, I talk about how we're all more powerful than we think. And all we have to do is think back to some very difficult, hard time that we went through that when we were in it, we could not see the light we could we never thought we'd get through it. And yet we did. And we forget that, that when we're going through hard times and until we take a moment and we pause and we look back and go, wait a second, I remember this feeling, this has happened before. And I got through it and I found good in it and it helped me grow into who I am. There's going to be gifts in every experience. There just is. Corliss, I think sometimes people roll their eyes. In our house, we call it the woo-woo, you know, W-O-O-W-O-O, woo-woo kind of the new age stuff that you know but boy i'll tell you learning about things well i don't know if your audience does this i'll give you another example my wife to me said you need to start tapping i'm going on what she goes yourself how am i supposed to tap on myself what's that all about if your audience doesn't know this look into tapping tapping for wealth tapping for getting over struggles i sit every day with a script talking about what my future plans are and i literally the audience is going to miss something by not being able to see this with my foot, tap on zones in my head, on my face, that are considered hot spots for focusing your energy. When I first heard that, I wanted to, I don't know what I wanted to do, laugh at my wife. That wasn't a good idea. 
But some people are so cynical about these ideas that can change our lives. They just, you're either going to believe it or you're not. I'm a believer. I believe we can focus our energy to good even when those bad things come into our life because they're bound to. That's the price of being human, right? My dad used to say a great line. He always talked about how hard it was to go to funerals. He said, the number of funerals you get to go to in your life tells you what a good person you were. I went, how did you get that one, Dad? He goes, because every number of person that you've loved, if you're going to their funeral, you were lucky to know them. So when it comes to funerals, they're supposed to be sad. I get it. But the reality is the more people we mourn are the more people we knew. And that should be another definition of a successful life. Wow, I like that. You know, you said when you were describing that, you know, and telling that story about tapping and people closing themselves off, it's unfortunate when that happens, not just with tapping, but with anything when you close yourself off, because really what you're doing when you choose to do that is you're closing yourself off to possibilities. You're also closing yourself off to the knowledge that other people have that if they're in the right spot, like you are, like I am, like the kind and generous, naturally honest people, pay attention, right? You talked about uh, Jack Canfield, pay attention or whatever works for you. You love Tony Robbins, go, fine, pay attention. But whatever you do, this is a word that has unfortunately sometimes, and I say unfortunately not as a bad thing, but sometimes the word faith has been connected to religion because that's how it was taught to me when I was a kid. Personally, I think faith is not about religion. Faith is about the essence of the word. We have to trust the universe. And look at me now, I'm 60 years old. I'm, I'm actually more active than 99% of the thalidomiders across the world. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I've been given so many blessings in my life that are maybe from God. I don't know. All I know is traveling the world, I've seen many people's gods. And we need to acknowledge that people need to have faith in whatever they believe in, but we need to believe in something. Oh my gosh, so big. You know, Alvin, I feel like we're some sort of, we have some sort of connection because everything you're speaking is just exactly what I believe in. <laughs> so I, thank you for being here. Well, you know what? I don't think it's a big surprise. I believe there's no coincidences. Like I said, when we first connected online, it was like serendipity, another word I learned to embrace rather than get annoyed by serendipity can bring things into all of our lives we just have to open our minds to it and one last thing Corliss you are also creating a portal through your own podcast through your own work to spread the good news and lord knows we need good news right now we do we do need good news and we do need to think possibility and I want to thank you but I still have three questions I can't let you go yet I still have things I actually I could probably talk to you all day but something's really burning in me that I feel like I need to ask you I went to your website and I was looking at your goal I watched your goal cast video as a matter of fact I want you to know that I watched it with my son last night now my son um he's 13 and he you know listens to his mom he considers himself a realist He's very into politics, actually him and all his friends. It's really quite surprising to me. And he listens to me talk positivity and attitude and, you know, having a good and positive response and just being a good person. He hears me talk about that all the time. And, you know, he does the eye roll. So last night I said, you know, I'm interviewing Alvin Law tomorrow and I want you to, to watch this video with me. So he watched the video with me reluctantly. And within the first few minutes, Alvin, he was so inspired because he is a musician. He plays three different kinds of guitar. And he, um, yeah, he, yeah, he's been through, you know, quite a bit in his own life. And, and uh, he watched you and he didn't even want to shut it off. Like he wasn't just doing it to humor me. He was really quite interested in your story and that meant a lot to me first of all so thank you for influencing him but the other thing is is that when you talked about going from victim to victor when you made that choice i think a lot of people stay in the space of being a victim to their circumstances and clearly you are not one of those people how do you what would you say to someone who feels like a victim to whatever's going on in their lives right now so um let me read my v Boy, that was a nice segue, Cordis. Well done. And I want to talk about the goal casting before we leave. This is what I wrote about what you just asked me. This is the answer to your question, all right? My V is this. 
value your life and spirit. Too many people live another V, and that is a victim. It's true. Bad things happen to good people, and there are victims. The trouble is there's no answer to the question, why me? Even worse, victims often get stuck in their past when what they need to do is live for today and move towards the future. When you focus on moving forward, you never know what you'll discover. Everyone has value. Finding it, that's the trick. There was a lot of connections to that video you spoke of, uh, by the way, Corus. I'm not honestly trying to self-promote. But if people haven't seen my What's Your Label video, and by the way, I don't know if you showed your son the second video, which is the one about the Paralympics. That one is powerful, really powerful. The three-minute promotional video for the 2016 Rio Games. That was huge, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But that Goldcast video was not... I didn't contribute anything to that except the body of the speech. In fact, I don't even remember saying what's your label or change your label. I don't even remember saying that. It just came up. That was a talk that they used the, the footage from a cable station in Kelowna on pink shirt day for the boys and girls club fundraiser of the Okanagan Valley. So I'm talking to a, a room full of philanthropists and donors encouraging them to give money to a cause for Boys and Girls Club in this case. And I suggested them like I've suggested my whole life. There is a difference between this idea and I, and I think this is extremely important. Sympathy doesn't help anybody. Empathy is the word we need to use. So I've learned that don't feel sorry for me having no arms. That's another value that I got growing up in, in my home in Yorkton. There's nothing to feel sorry for. But when you feel sorry for yourself, that's the worst culprit because that's when the portal opens to mental health problems, to real depression, to real challenges. And I don't wanna to get too deep with this, okay, Cordes, because we do have a limited time. I know you can uh, extend the time if you like, but the fact of the matter is, when I think about the idea of a victim, I do not wanna take away an event that has given somebody a nightmare or given somebody sadness or depression. You know, I, I'll give you a really good example. I think about this all the time. Should the First Nations people of Canada be upset with the way they were handled over history? Absolutely. No doubt about it. No question. Were the residential schools bad? Absolutely. All of those things were terrible, terrible, terrible things. So was thalidomide. They're not the same category. They don't match the same explanation. But it's my story now. I could brood and be negative and be angry about the unfairness of the world, and that would be my right. But again, that's not how I choose to live my life. It doesn't mean I'm disregarding the past. Here's an even better metaphor. When we're driving our car, we've got this gigantic thing in front of us called the windshield. If we spend all of our time looking in the rearview mirror, which is extremely tiny, we're going to be focusing on the wrong thing and probably run into an object. That's like life. Yes, look in the rearview mirror every now and then to check where you've come from and what's behind you, but always look through the windshield to see where you're going. <laughs> Alvin, can I please take the time to tell you a story? I feel like I need to sure. tell you this. Okay, sure. so remember when we were, just before we started this recording and I was telling you about you know, my company re, um, restructuring and I basically, you know, was eliminated from my longtime business and I was really struggling with that. It was, you know, quite a shock and I went into victim mode, I would say, and I was really like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't believe this has happened. And I went to visit my mom and we had coffee and, and she said, you know, honey, you're going to be okay. You've been okay. You know, before when things have happened, you're going to be okay again. You'll figure it out. And I left my mom's and I was driving down the gravel road in Saskatchewan and really focused straight ahead like looking and just kind of thinking about what am I going to do lost in thought and all of a sudden the rear view mirror literally fell off my windshield it just <laughs> fell off <laughs> it literally fell off it shocked me you know to look I was like what the heck was that and I look and the rear view mirror is gone it's literally laying on the floor it fell to the to the floor of the vehicle and I was like, hey, if that is not a sign, <laughs> I don't know what is. That's a great story. Do you tell that story? 
Well, I haven't told that story a lot of times. No, I did tell it once because um, I did a live video shortly after that happened because I'd made a commitment to do it and I'd shared it there. But I I swear that's a true story. And I took a picture and I was just like, hey, I don't know what just <laughs> happened there, but I have faith that whatever happened there was intended to happen specifically for me to continue focusing forward and stop looking back at what was. And by the way, Corliss, when you, when you had this experience happen with this company that you were part of and it was taken away from you, it's totally understandable to get into a bad funk, right? Obviously, you're not going to walk out of the building or wherever you were at the time and go, yay, of course not. I'm not talking about going yay when a bad thing happened to us. That's what I'm saying is bad things happen to people all the time. That doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, you know, I think there's a process to it, too, because in, initially when I heard it, heard the news, I was kind of like, OK, it's going to be OK. And it it didn't actually hit me for a day or two. And then that's when fear started creeping in. And I think that's where I, again, learned that mindset's so important. What we're focusing our energy to, we just can't go there because it can just pull you into a deep, dark hole and you just can't allow that to happen. You know what's really interesting, Corliss? I'm not sure you mentioned your audience's demographic. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. But one of the new things I've had to learn, and I've done this through my son, who is a little bit on the upper edge of the age of this next thing I'm going to talk about for just a couple of seconds. And that is the irony of a lot of our young people, not your son being 13, but I'm thinking sort of that, and I don't like these labels of millennials or X children or Y children or Z children. It's silly to me. But all the children that are out there that are not children, but in their 20s, let's just say, under the age of 30, a lot of old people think they don't have a good work ethic. Um, wrong. They actually learned from watching their parents who had a terrible work ethic because all they did was work, 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 work. That's not a life either. And they go to a company. They work for somebody. Let's use a hypothetical. They're a, a computer person. They go into a company. They wear their flip-flops and their jeans and they have this disrespect to the clothing of business and I love it I love it they're there as part of their life but not being defined by their job we've got to understand that's a great thing coming from our young people and they will leave a company not because they're not loyal but because a they don't need to be mistreated at the company they're at and b they love a sense of adventure new job Yes, let's go get a new one. I love that. Oh, I do too, because I think a lot of times we immediately, like the older generation will look and go, oh, they're lazy, they, they don't know how to work, they just leave, when really they're just listening to what their truth is and acting on it. I think that's to be admired, actually. Absolutely. And the ironic part about it is they got their cliff notes from us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really funny. We always talk to kids about not wasting all their time on their devices, you know? And again, your audience can't see this, but you know, one of the beautiful things about having no arms and here's, I'm just holding up my, my device, which in my case, not uh, a commercial announcement here. I happen to be a iPhone guy, but I can't hold my iPhone. I can't walk around with it. I can't put it in my back pocket. So I never look at it. So when someone says I can't live without my phone, wrong. This is a <laughs> habit. It can be a really positive thing to use a device to learn from to be connected to others with, absolutely. But we need to free ourselves from our devices. And by the way, I made a reference to this earlier. Don't ever put your phone by your bed, ever. Do you understand if you're doing that, stop it. Not only is it bad to have it right there thinking that you need to turn it on the first thing you wake up and see, but it's bad energy. Ask my wife, she does feng shui. She understands EMF energy having a charger in your room. These new beds are coming out with charging stations in the base of the mattress. Do you know how bad that is for your health? But hey, we gotta have the latest, greatest toy. Wrong. Look, I'm 60, but I'm not a dinosaur. I love technology. I use an iPad with my toes. The fact of the matter is, humanity does not need technology to find its way. Mm-hmm. 
So good. So good. So many good life lessons in here. So good. But I can't let you go without asking the three closing questions. But I also have to ask one more thing that's still burning in me. The goal cast, the goal cast video. So goal cast videos, for those who don't know, you, you probably do know and don't even know that you're watching a goal cast video. I mean, there's been world famous people on goal cast videos and you, Elvin, have a goal cast video. Like that's just crazy to me. And I have to ask you to talk a little bit about that process because most of the people who will be listening to this are perhaps not knowing their true value, or maybe they don't, they think it's already been done and they don't think that they'll ever be someone who's world famous or don't think that's possible for them. And you are someone born and raised with no arms in Saskatchewan, and you have a goal cast video. Can you tell us how that all came about? <laughs> okay, I'm going to cut loose uh, and get rid of my humility index for just a moment. Corliss, I have two goal cast videos. Whoa. <laughs> I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Actually, there, I think there may be one other uh, uh, in their entire uh, group that has had two, but I've got two. Uh, my first one had, uh, last time I looked, over 41 million views on Facebook. Um, and the other one is that over 15 million views on Facebook. Um, the first one's called what's your label, or I've kind of kind of played with it a little bit to change your label or whatever. The second one, which is about as stark as it gets is called, how do you go to the bathroom? And that came as a result of another project that I did with Goldcast. But let me tell you exactly how this happened. Goldcast is a Canadian company based in Montreal. It started with two young, and I will say this, ethnic, and they're both from the Middle East, two young, incredible men who started this idea of curating videos by themselves, downloading things. You can legally do this. You can legally go to anything that's online and use it to formulate a product without the permission of the subject, as long as it's not disparaging or blah, 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 okay? And they were intrigued by how because of their life, one of them was a teacher, seeing so many young people come into their world with no hope of a future. And they disagreed. They didn't see the world that way. So these two gentlemen created this idea that they were going to curate positive videos themselves with, you know, real smarts. And, you know, you said you've just got yourself a new computer. These guys are also very computer savvy. So they could edit and create stuff on their own computer. And that has grown to... 27 people working in Montreal, curating videos of life stories of people. Um, one of my favorite ones was of Nelson Mandela. I mean, look, I get nothing from this, Corliss. I swear to God, I get nothing in return. It's just, it's not even an endorsement. If you're not on Goalcast, you need to be. You need to go to goalcast.com and sign up. There's, there's no catch, all right? You're not going to get inundated with offers, with spam. They'll send you a video that is, you know, maybe an older one or a newer one. Uh, I don't know if they do it every day anymore, but I would suggest the way to start your day is to go to your computer or device, turn it on and look at a Goldcast video to get your day going. They reached out to me, Corliss. You cannot go to them. They don't get very happy with people approaching them saying, hey, do one on me, uh, because that's not how they work. The guy that curated my video was their fourth employee. And he heard me speak at his high school in Montreal in 1991. And he's never forgotten it. And he, as soon as he got hired, he said, what do I get to do? He says, curate videos. And he looked me up and thank God I've got a website. It's not a great website. It's in fact in renewal coming up real soon. But he couldn't stop thinking about what impact I had on him way back in 1991. So when they reached out to me talking about doing this, I thought it was just another one of these spam offers, you know? They are nothing at all like that. And last thing I want to say, Curtis, real quick, I know I get windy with this one because I'm pretty proud. Sign up today, goalcast.com. Just become a, a subscriber because this weekend, they're going to be releasing a brand new product for Goalcast. They're going off in a whole different direction. It's actually a dramatic production about my story coming out this weekend on Goalcast. I'm even in it. I'm the main character. And it's a, it's a, it's a drama. It's a short drama about my life and the connection to What's Your Label. So Goalcast, 
again, I sound biased. I admit it. They are so, so amazing. I spent four days in Montreal at their offices about three weeks ago. Oh my God, what an incredible group of young people. Inspired me to see young people differently, honestly. <laughs> I am so glad you talked about that because I didn't know that was coming up and I'm so glad and so proud. I want you to like just sit in that elven like that is incredible that you are one of the only ones to have a duplicate video and to be to be being featured in a new short film like like really you just demonstrated possibility at its finest and I think what I really heard loud and clear was that they came to you but you created that by standing in who you are sharing your story knowing you had something to offer and just living authentically you well, you know, to be honest, to put yourself out there in front of the entire planet and the headline for your second video is how do you go to the bathroom? <laughs> That's out there for real or not. I mean, my God, that took an awful lot of my own courage to allow that to be uh, put up there like that. But you know what? It's one of the most common questions I get from kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Real honesty. I love it, Elvin. Thank you so much for being here. Now, I have three closing questions that I ask um, all of my guests. And because this is a real leadership podcast, so what I consider a real leadership is that I really believe that each and every one of us has the opportunity to lead other people because leadership is really about example. So what I'd love to know from you is what does leadership mean to you? Leadership means the leaders are not born they are grown and we can all learn to be leaders. Mm, perfect. We really can. And if you had one book or a podcast that you wanted to recommend, like a real game changer, is it the Stephen Covey one or did you have another one you would like to recommend? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really blunt about this. I do not listen to a lot of podcasts or Zoom casts myself. Not because there aren't any good ones out there. And I, I hate to kind of wimp out on the answer. There isn't one in my mind that's any better than anyone else. So how about if I just say this? Yours. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that's a great answer. <laughs> You're funny. And I mean it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Elvin. Okay, the final closing question. And I, I don't know that anything would be difficult for you based on how your life has gone and how you've risen up and the things that you've accomplished. But based on all of the highs and all of the lows and everything that's happened in your life, if you could only leave the world with one piece of advice, what would you leave them with? We only get one life, how we live it, what we do with it, and how we see ourselves in it is everything. Beautiful. Thank you again for being here, Alvin. It has been such a pleasure. I hope we have an opportunity to talk again soon. I hope so too. Thanks for doing this, Corliss. And by the way, I know this sounds a real bad thing to say right now in a very localized comment. Go Riders. <laughs> Go Riders and make sure and wash your feet, right? Yes, wash those feet. Thanks, Corliss. This has been fun. It sure has. Thanks, Alvin. Take care. You too. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.